All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Inside Writing. This show is presented by Gotham Writers, offering writing classes of all types and sizes. You can visit us online at GothamWriters.com. We're starting season three today of Inside Writing. This season, we're going to be talking about the writer's life, which will cover the gambit from social media, that we'll, which we'll be discussing today, uh, to writer's block, conferences, retreats, making money with your writing, and so on. Uh, but before we get into the chat about social media, a few announcements. At any point in the show, you can use the Q&A function to ask questions. There's that little Q&A button on your dashboard. Uh, if this is your first time, just know that the sooner you post those questions, the better. Uh, the sooner questions build up, the sooner I will get to your questions. So make sure you get those questions in as soon as you have them. Uh, also, if you want to get caught up on any Inside Writing episodes from season one or two, you can find them all on the Gotham Writers YouTube channel or on any major podcasting platform. Same goes with today's episode. We'll have the recording up either uh, later today or tomorrow. Now then, on to the subject of the day. We're going to be talking about social media in, in relating to your writing career. Uh, we're going to start with a quote, though. This one from David Alston, who said... Social media is not a media. The key is to listen, engage, and build relationships. We'll be talking more on that later. For now, let's meet our panelists. First off, the author of the novels Ash, A Line in the Dark, Last Night at the Telegraph Club, and more, Melinda Lowe. Hello, Melinda. Hi, everyone. Hey there. Nice to be here. And our second panelist, literary agent at PS Literary, an author of You Can Go Your Own Way, Don't Read the Comments, The Geek's Guide to Dating, and more, Eric Smith. Hello, Eric. Hey, everybody. So we're going to start the questioning easy today. So Melinda, I want you to just <laughs> go, what, what social media platforms are you actively engaged on? Primarily Twitter at this point. I'm, I'm mostly on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I'm also on Instagram. I do have a Facebook page, although I do Facebook less and less these days. Um, so those are the three I'm on at this point. Um, I used to be on Tumblr, uh, which I don't do anymore. And I am not on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I have not gone there. <laughs> so that's where I am at this point. Gotcha. Eric, what about you? What social media do you participate in? Uh, so I guess like professionally as like a writer, publishing person, uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, probably the most, uh, I have a Facebook, but it's just mostly just my friends, you know, like I don't really do business stuff on there. Uh, and I'm on Instagram, which is like half and half of those things. Like half of it's like, look at my cool new deals. And the other half is like, look at my adorable child. And that's, that's my strategy for, for that. Space. Um, and that's really it. Like I have. I have profiles on a couple of other places. Like I, like I have a TikTok page that I have never used and I have, uh, I, I signed up for Clubhouse, but I've never used it. Um, Cause maybe I'll try it, but uh, I, just, I use the ones that work for me. Gotcha. So Melinda, I want to start with you with this one. Mm -hmm. do, do you feel like social media has helped your writing career? I, I do actually, I do. Not in terms of like getting book deals, not, not in terms of that, but in terms of um, getting my name out there as kind of a a person in the dialogue within YA. Um, I think that for me, I I started, I've been on the internet from forever because I'm, I won't say how old I am, but <laughs> I've been on the internet forever. So I was very familiar with how the internet, the internet worked for 
from its earliest stages. And I knew that there was a lot of power there to tell the story of um, diversity and inclusion, which I guess is how we talk about it now. And so when my first book was published in 2009, I was out there right away talking about diversity and inclusion. And I think that that is really where social media has made the biggest impact for me. And I'll tell you directly, the, the way it has made a difference directly is that it has led to a lot of speaking engagements for me, which is not what I expected, but I, a lot of um, schools and libraries have invited me to come speak about the, the stuff I've blogged about. Um, I mean, I kind of include blogging as social media. And so that's where it has made the most impact um, from a financial standpoint. And I think it has also made other people within the YA and book world know who I am. Um, so that's how it's helped the most for me, I think. Eric, what about you? How has it affected your career, both as a writer and as an agent? Yeah, I mean, as a writer, uh... I, I can like point to a very specific story where it helped, where I, I saw my then editor, well, for, for Don't Read the Comments, tweeting about how she wanted a Ready Player One-esque book, but that featured the girl a little more heavily. I was like, oh, that's what I wrote. So I had my agent then send her Don't Read the Comments and they, they bought my book. So it was, that's like a perfect example of it working in a, in a, in a nice way for me in my, my writing life. Um, but the way I feel like it more generally works is that it gets you endeared to, to the community, right? Like you meet those booksellers, you meet those uh, teachers, like Melinda was saying, you meet those librarians uh, and they, they get to know who you are as a person. And then maybe they want to stock your book and, and talk about your book. Uh, it's, it's a great way to get yourself in the community uh, in a way that, publishers really can't buy, you know, like you, you can't purchase endearment. That's, that's not a thing that any publicist can go purchase uh, through whoever. Um, that's what social media does uh, for me, at least I think. Um, and when it comes to my agent life, I've, I found authors that way, you know, through, through social media events like Beth Felon's DV Pit um, or, or Pitch Wars. Um, these, three, these three lovely books here uh, were all uh, social media pitch events. Um, authors that I found uh, via Twitter. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great resource. That, that, that was going to be my next question was if you found clients through there. I do want to uh, <laughs> circle back around and talk about the writing community on Twitter as well. Yeah. But uh, first off, Melinda, I want to ask you, we often hear, and I hear a lot of writers complaining that they get distracted by social media. It sucks their time away. Do you feel like, mm -hmm. how do you manage that? How do you manage the goodness of social media with how much it takes away from you? Or do you feel like it takes anything away from you? Oh, absolutely. It, it totally, it's extremely draining. I, I, I have to admit it is. And um, at this point, because my most, my most recent book came out in January. So for the past few months, I have been on social media. <laughs> okay. And I am about to kind of go off social media for a while because I'm going to be um, diving into a revision. And if I'm really working deeply on a book, I cannot be on Twitter. I can't. I can still be on Instagram, I've realized. Instagram does not, um, is not as draining as Twitter, but to really be involved in the Twitter conversation, you kind of have to be there a lot because you just, you miss things. You can't really jump in when it's not happening anymore. You can, but it's weird. So for me, I really take, I actually take long breaks from social media, like months and months and months, like not, not just a weekend. I will go off for months 
And you know what? It is not a problem. It has not hurt anything. And it's been really great for my ability to focus again. Mm. Eric, what about you? How do you manage the time suck distraction element of social media with the benefits of it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I handle it the way I handle anything that gets really distracting, right? Like I love playing video games as much as I like, you know, playing on Twitter and, and talking to people, but I, I know I can't do it all day or I'll get fired or something, you know? So uh, yeah, I just, I just do my best to like hop on a little bit, play a little while and then, and then go, you know? Um, yeah. I it just, you just have to it does just, require discipline. Like yeah. you have to know when to say I've had enough mm-hmm. and I'll, you know, I'll see you later. And it's really easy to not have that discipline and to not, and to just continue clicking and scrolling. It's very, very easy to keep doing that. But it's like, just like every writer, you have to have the discipline to sit down to write. So if you can do that, you can get off Twitter. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can totally do it. <laughs> so Eric, I'm curious, cause you brought up video games too. And, and you know, for a lot of people, video games are inspiration for their writing. Do you, do you find inspiration in social media too? Do you find like creative <laughs> oases on Twitter? I mean, sometimes like I, I find inspiration in the, in the friendships there and in the, in that, that really quick connection you can make on social media as an adult, because in some ways I feel like it mirrors that, that immediate friendship you can have as a teenager, you know? So like writing YA, I don't know, social media feels like that. I don't know. It feels like that again, you know? Um, so yeah, there, there's inspiration there. Melinda, what about you? Have you ever gotten like story ideas from Twitter? Is that why you go to Twitter? Or has that ever been, you know, kind of like what I said to Eric, is that something you go to Twitter for or no? No, I don't go to Twitter for ideas. I, I, I enjoy the, the writing community there because as a writer, you're kind of alone in your house all the time. And unless we get to go to conferences, which we don't anymore. So that's very sad. But w- Twitter is kind of like, it really is kind of like a water cooler for the YA writing book community that I'm involved in. And so I enjoy going there and seeing my friends, literally, and seeing like what they're up to and like checking out what they're watching on TV. You know, it's, it's, it's literally like going to a water cooler for me. Gotcha. And I want to come back to this writing community idea because it's been brought up so much. You know, the, the writing community is so well represented on Twitter. Melinda, how, do you, how did you get... I mean, I think a lot of writers, their hesitation is, how do I even get started? There's so much there already. How do you get involved with the writing community that already exists on Twitter? Gosh, I don't, I don't really know. I, I get, because I'm lucky that when I got started on Twitter, it was, I think I joined in 2008 or 2009. And that was when, my, when I was having my debut book come out. And I was part of a debut group of writers called the 2009 Debutante. And we had a live journal page, right? So we would like, write on live journal and we also all kind of joined twitter at that time so there was a there was already a group of people that i knew and we could have private discussions on live journal not on twitter which was very good it was a good idea to have private discussions in a in a closed group twitter was a great place to see what's happening in the public sphere you know um, I think if you're new and you're just jumping on twitter now it can seem really overwhelming and i i really recommend just reading for a long time like following people you think are interested in are interesting or not even following them put them in a list (laughs) you know put them in a list and then see what they say and kind of 
get to know what the conversation is and who the person not even really by interacting just seeing what's happening mm-hmm. and, and eric what about you for what people you? out there that want to get started what's your advice to them how, how what's the first step to doing it I mean, so so Melinda brought up something really interesting when she was talking about using Live Journal and writing on Live Journal and sharing there. Uh, like, I'm a big believer in in building a community and building a following on social media through making content, you know. And that's not necessarily your book, you know. Um, it's writing blog posts. It's it's writing fun little articles. It's saying, hey, my my favorite reads this month were so and so, so and so, so and so, and that's a really great way to start engaging with people and, and, and talking with people in a way that doesn't feel, I don't know, like invasive, you know, like, Hey, be my friend, you know, it, it's you saying like, Hey, I like this book by so-and-so maybe check it out. Um, and that was my strategy for a very long time. You know, I, I wrote for paste magazine and, and book riot and all these different places. Uh, and it's how I got engaged and, and invested in, in the book people. So here's a question. It gets asked a lot, so I'm just going to ask it. Eric, how important is it that writers are on Twitter, especially early in their career? Is this something they should all be doing? Oh, that's hard. You know, I I, I don't believe that an author needs to have a big social media presence to sell their book. You know, uh, a lot of the authors that I work with don't even have a thousand followers on Twitter. You know, one of my authors has like 400 and her books did just fine. Um it's just nice to have it for all the reasons that Melinda and I have been saying, where you get to engage with people and talk to the community and have people get to know you. Uh, I will tell my authors to sign up for it if they're not on it, just to, just to be there. Um, but it's, uh, you, do, you don't actually need it, but you should have it. Cause I feel like it's that the benefits outweigh not being on there. Melinda, do you agree? Do you think that it's something you should have, you don't need to have? Twitter is frightening and anxiety inducing. Like I I have general anxiety disorder. I have a lot of like management skills with this. Okay. So for, for some newer authors, I see them really, really having a lot of anxiety on social media because you get a lot of strangers coming at you with their opinions about what you did. And that can just be extremely startling if you are not accustomed to that, if you have not built up a tolerance for it or practices and practices and strategies around it. So I, I really tell people, you don't need to be on it. You really don't. You should pick what you like um, in terms of social media and do that. And if you don't like any of it, um, some people in the some people there will be this like generalized pressure to be on social media but you don't have to be (laughs) you really don't have to be I mean because your your mental health and your ability to continue writing is much more important than the number of Twitter followers you have or don't have you know and I just wanted to say that what Eric was saying earlier about putting out content and sharing that is really a valuable way to get involved if you do want to get involved. I think that that's really how I managed to build a following on Twitter very, very slowly over 10 years was mostly by blogging and sharing the stories I wrote, like nonfiction, essays, blog posts, and my interests within YA and about queer YA. Sharing that stuff is what people is what brought people to to follow me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to give on... oh, I'm sorry, Josh. No, go ahead. 
I was just gonna say like no one's on social media to be promoted at right like no one's there for that so like if you're only saying like buy my book buy my book they're they're not going to be interested but if you're sharing stuff like the way Melinda was saying they are they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna hang around so I want to get back to that in a second, but I want to also revisit you, you Eric, you already mentioned the, the, the pitch parties that we see on Twitter. Um, so for people that are unfamiliar to, to Twitter, can you just give us the basics of how a pitch party works and what the benefit there is? Yeah, so so pitch parties and, and these social media pitch events, uh, they encourage writers to get on Twitter uh, and tweet out your book, you know, like a quick little log line uh, that, that pitches your book in like, 280 characters. It's very challenging, you know, for, for a lot of people. Um, but through these contests, well, not contests, events, uh, editors, agents, they are looking over the hashtags. They are seeing the stuff that they're interested in. And if they, they like your tweet, that means they're requesting your book and, and you can send them a, sometimes you can send them a query directly, or, or sometimes they have instructions on their, their Twitter page. And it's a, it's a great way. A lot of authors are getting discovered. Um, but as awesome as they are, just remember, just cold querying works just as well. <laughs> Melinda, have you ever participated in a pitch party or do you have a, an opinion on them and their effectiveness? Pitch parties. I got my agent through querying. Um, I, I mean, I've seen that this, this stuff happens and a lot of the pitches that I see go by sound amazing. I just, I, I don't know how I would be I don't know if that would work for me, honestly, because I feel like so much of a book is not about the pitch, but about how the story is told. And you can't really get that from a pitch. Um, but I, I see it working now. So I'm probably just a curmudgeon who doesn't want things to change. <laughs> uh, so I, I feel like one of the main motivations for a lot of writers to get on Twitter is that hopes of meeting an agent or connecting with an agent that way. Now, Eric, you've already mentioned, uh, you know, you've, you've signed clients through close through social media. Um, were those all through pitch parties or have you ever seen a social, have you ever seen a person on social media and reached out to them or, or is it all through pitch parties? Um, I've definitely reached out to a couple of people as a result of social media, like writing nonfiction, like essayists and the like, uh, usually they have an agent already, <laughs> which is always a bit of a bummer, but it does happen. Um, and I've definitely had authors who, when they send me their query, they're like, hey, I got to know you as a result of, you know, you being on Twitter, you talking about X and Y. Uh, I, honestly, I think that's like a vast amount of my clients these days are people who have gotten to know me a little bit from the internet. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty common. Melinda, you've already touched on this a bit, but once you have your agent, what's the motivation to stay on Twitter? Is it to, it's not just to promote yourself, as Eric was saying, you can't just be out there selling your book. So is it to promote a cause? Is it to be a part of the community? What, what is the primary drive? The primary drive is to promote my books. <laughs> but I do that by being involved in the community and sharing things that I'm interested in and continuing to write about um, issues that are important to me. So it's not like you go out there promoting your book and just with a shingle that says, buy my book. Like that's not how you do it. Like, the, the, so it's, it's really all of the above, but I think that if I did not have to have books to promote, I'm not sure that I would be on social media at this point. Um, but because I do, I have learned how to make it work in a way that works for me and hopefully works for the people who are interested in reading my tweets, <laughs> you know, so. So that's interesting. I want to get back to it later, but I, I want to, because you touched on something else there that I want to talk about, which 
we often hear buzzwords associated with social media, like your brand. And, and that's something that, you know, writers should have a brand and they say that you should have a social media brand as well. Melinda, could, can you classify what your brand on social media is if you had to like define who you are on social media? used to be in my Twitter bio. Uh, my brand is lesbians. Uh, I write books about lesbians. So, and I, and I write and I, I do a lot of research on queer YA and queer books in general. So that, it, it's kind of a tongue in cheek thing, but people come to me for that, that kind of content. So I, I hope that I deliver. <laughs> Eric, what about you? If I asked you what your Twitter brand is, what would you say? Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Maybe being a cinnamon roll, like I just, <laughs> I try to just be positive all the time. That, that's just kind of who I am as a person. So that's what I put out there. So I, I'm usually just talking about stuff I like and challenges as a dad and, and making jokes about writing. That's, that's kind of it. Mm -hmm. Y'all make it sound so simple. <laughs> we're we're going we're gonna to circle back to that in a second. But uh, an another thing that often mirrors writing style with social media is you know, you look at all this advice out there and it's like, you got to have a strong voice. You got to be out there. You know, people have to be able to identify, you know, how you're talking on social media, how you're writing. So how does, how does your voice on social media differ from your writing voice or does it? Melinda, let's start with you. It's shorter. <laughs> it's a lot shorter. I think that I always try to present the, um, the best side of me on social media. Like I don't, know if that sounds cheesy or not, but I, I try to be um, upbeat, but also real. I really try to be very real because there are a lot of people on Twitter who are, um, who need that realness. And if we're talking about the book business and um, talking about um, racism and homophobia, like you need to have the ability to kind of say, say what's happening. And I really try to be both real and upbeat, which is kind of a strange combination at times, but um, that's what I go for. Uh, and short, shorter than, than my books. <laughs> Eric, what about you? How does your writing voice differ from your social media voice? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of in line with what Melinda is saying, you know, like staying upbeat, but staying real. Um, I feel like in my writing, my, my characters curse a lot more than I actually do. Like, I, I don't really swear ever. Um, and people tend to be really surprised when they hear it. But in my books, the, the teens I write about have have things to say. Um, so there, there's a difference there in like tone and voice. But uh, I, feel, I feel like I'm mostly the same. <laughs> so along with these other buzzwords we often hear associated with social media, there's also this word engagement. You know, a, a lot of people will say it's not your followers that matter, it's your engagement. So Melinda, when I say engagement on social media, what does that mean? What, what does it mean to be engaged on social media? We'll talk about it, but I, I really try to stay away from these kind of businessy terms about social media because I cannot become a corporate brand. Like I, I'm just me being myself on social media, talking about books and lesbians. So I just have to be doing that. And I think if I spend too much time trying to parse out what engagement is or like whatever those other words are, I don't even, I really actually try not to even know what those words are. Cause it's, it just, it drives me, um, it drives me batty. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't think that way. And I have a real hard time 
with corporate jargon. So I just, I just try to avoid it, to be honest. I like that. <laughs> I like the pure approach to social media. Eric, Eric, what about you? Did you, do you actively think about engagement or is this just kind of something you do? It's just something I do. I mean, I, I was a social media manager for a publishing house for five years. <laughs> I was just flying by the seat of my pants. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, all those buzzwords and stuff. I, I feel like you use them to, to make it seem like you know what you're doing sometimes. So uh, when, uh, when it comes to like getting social media advice about handling yourself as an author and a writer and an online brand, um, I'd pay less attention to like the jargony people that have blogs on like Mashable or whatever, and maybe follow authors who do it really well, you know, like Clarabelle Ortega and like Chuck Wendig and Susan Dennard, you know, these authors all say very smart things about social media and have newsletters that talk about it in, in great detail. Um, I follow them and see what their tips are because they, they exist in that space in a big way. So M Melinda, I want to ask you, because you, I find your relationship with social media so interesting, how you're only there because you kind of have to. I'm curious, what was your what was your relationship with social media like before you felt like you had to get on? Like, was, was it something that you kind of looked at and didn't really want to be a part of, but then you, because you got published, you kind of had to? Or what, what was it like before you blew up into this 18,000 follower personality that you are? explosion like i'm saying it took like 10 years so you know? um i i think that before before social media in the dark ages of the internet um from in the early 2000s um i was managing editor of a very large website called after ellen which was basically an entertainment weekly for lesbians and bisexual women so i i uh edited that website and i i made a i did i produced a lot of content and I also had to moderate the comments and, um, you know, manage this giant thing. So I came to social media from the early internet. <laughs> so I, I, knew, I came knowing what it could be and very wary of it. So from the very beginning, I knew that it was necessary for my job. And I also had boundaries from the start. So I didn't come to it totally new like I'd already been very online for like 10 years mm -hmm. so Eric I want your opinion on this in a second but I want to follow up on something Melinda just said there you said you set boundaries for yourself do you mean like how much time you would spend on it or what what do you mean hey on the internet um how personal I would get okay. uh the topics I would discuss and if I discuss you know issues that seem to be politically charged like um sexual orientation, which should not be politically charged, but is often read that way. I have had to learn how to speak about it and write about it in a way that is inclusive and also um, in a way that does not invite trolls. <laughs> so that is a very tricky, tricky thing to learn how to do. And I, I don't always do it correctly, um, but that's something I've had to learn. And I still, I try to evolve with that. Mm. Eric, what about you? I what was, what was your relationship? Because you said you come from it as a social media manager as well. So have you sort of always had this relationship with social media? Yeah, a little bit. Um, like I started off blogging. Uh, like I, I blogged for myself for a really long time. I had a personal site uh, about Philadelphia and geek culture for a really long time. And when I was trying to find a job in publishing, 
it was blogging that got me my first job. I, the, the publisher that hired me was like, hey, you, you run all these blogs and everything. We want you to do that for us. Uh, and that's, that's kind of what got me where I wanted to be. Um, and then I just kind of grew up with all the different social media platforms as a result, like had to get this company on Twitter, had to do all these different things. Um, and you just kind of learn as you go. So one question, I, I'm curious what, what you'll answer because I just, I'm going to ask it and see where it goes. But Melinda, you have 18,000 followers. Why do people follow you? I feel like you've touched on a lot of, a lot of reasons why, but why do you think you have so many followers? followed me a long time ago and are not active anymore. <laughs> I will just say that. But I, I think that um, people want to hear what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is stuff about um, queer books. So I think that there is um, an audience for that. And I feel very passionately about that subject. And um, I, I guess that's why. Uh, you'd have to ask them. I, I could ask them. <laughs> Eric, what about you? If, if, why do you have nearly 60,000 followers? Why are people so interested? Um, I, I mean, I wish I could be like, it's because of my books, but I don't think so. I, I think people mostly follow me because I, 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 maybe some of them follow me for the books, but a lot of them follow me for the agent stuff. And, and I dish lots of publishing advice. Um, and I make lots of very specific writing jokes and I, I think that's I think that's probably it you know and I'm, and I'm also nice to everybody people can dm me and ask me questions um so I think that helps mm -hmm. so I want to shift gears a bit and talk now a little bit more about social media etiquette how to handle yourself on social media um I know one question we get a lot is how much can you post on social media how much is too much and one of the reasons you're both here is because I picked you because you're you both post a lot and it's it's you know I feel like you can offer some insight as to do you ever, let's just start, Melinda, we'll start with you. Do you ever, do you have like an internal clock where you, do you ever fear you're posting too much or do you just kind of post whenever it, it comes up? That I'm not posting enough <laughs> on, on Instagram, on Instagram. Um, I don't fear that I'm posting too, uh, too much. I think that there is always that fear that you're you're being too self-promotional, but let's be honest, people are on Twitter to be self-promotional. Like if you, you have to kind of accept that and also understand that even if you post a lot, people are not on Twitter 24 seven. They really aren't. It seems like they are, but they're not. And they're gonna miss something that you said because they're not there all the time. So you also have to kind of repost, retweet things at different time zones <laughs> to get that information out if you're trying to get people to a virtual event, for example. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't actually worry about that. And I don't plan, I do, I plan Twitter threads when I'm about to promote something specific like a newsletter or an event or a new book. But generally speaking, it's, I post when I'm interested. Like the other night I watched the Harry and Meghan interview on, <laughs> with Oprah, like everybody else. And, you know, I wasn't on Twitter at the time, but I tweeted about it the next day because I was still thinking about it. So, you know, I kind of post when it when I'm there and, it, and I have something to say. Eric, what about you? Do you ever worry that you're posting too much? Do you have a plan with how much you post or what's your approach to it? Uh, so sometimes I divide it out a little bit on purpose because, uh, you know, every morning in my agent life, I wake up and I Google all of my clients' books to see if someone had said something or if there's been a blog post. Uh, and if they're in some kind of fun list, you know, I, I want to tweet about it. So I use TweetDeck to like schedule those tweets. So like 
tweet about a cool article at 10 a.m. Maybe I'll tweet about another one at 1 p.m. Uh, just because I feel like if I just like rapid fire a bunch of like, hey, look at my author and this and this, it's just, I don't know, that's not interesting, you know? Um, so I do, I do plan that sort of stuff out. But when it comes to like my own musings and, you know, a joke I have or, or something interesting that I want to share, that, that I don't really plan out. So Melinda, I'm particularly interested in your answer to this question because of what you said about how you wouldn't be on social media if you didn't have to, but for how much you're posting, do you, do you enjoy posting? Like, do you enjoy being a part of that conversation, seeing people's reactions to you? Sometimes. I mean, I think mostly I do. Every once in a while, I'll tweet something and realize, oh crap, I, I turned this in a direction that could have um, uncomfortable responses for me. Um, so when that happens, I'm like, oh, shouldn't have done that. But mostly it's fine. And I, I enjoy interacting with the people on Twitter. And like I said, I like seeing my friends on Twitter. So I'm there to see what they're up to, you know, and, and, the, and for example, when Megan and Harry are interviewed by Oprah, I enjoy going on Twitter to see what everybody I follow thinks about this. So that kind of stuff is, is actually a lot of fun. <laughs> Eric, I feel like I know the answer that you're going to give as well, but do you enjoy social media? You enjoy being a part of this? Yeah, I do for the most part, you know, like, uh, you know, every once in a while, like I'll tweet out advice or something and I'll get like a response from someone that's not great or, or they're angry at me because I, I hadn't responded to an email or, or something, you know, um, like I, I get some of that, which isn't awesome. Um, but, you know, like, like Melinda said, I like being there for my friends, you know, especially a place like Instagram where like, those are a lot of my friends from home and I'm seeing pictures of their kids and whatever they had for lunch that day, you know, like whatever it is they want to share. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. So just a general question here, but Melinda, we'll start with you. How do you find, how do you find who to follow? Like what accounts do you know that you just want to interact with them? You mentioned being, you know, creating lists and adding people, but how do you find that niche, that place where you want to be? Um, well, you can start with the big ones, you know, like I, I have a sub list that is, I don't actually, I don't know if I have it anymore. I used to have one that was only like astronomers <laughs> because I was working on a book that had astronomy in it. So I wanted to see what it was like within the astronomy community. So I found some big names like Neil deGrasse Tyson or whatever, and I put him in the list and then I would see like who he retweeted. And I would go and click on those people and see if I like what they said and add them to the list. So I really think that finding, even if you only know a few big names to start, you can you can follow them or, or look at their tweets and see who they follow, who they retweet. And it's, it's really a lot like um, lurking and eavesdropping. So if you like doing that, Twitter is great for you. <laughs> Do you ever want it to be a spy or a detective? Like, it's great. You can go down so many rabbit holes of, of communities you've never heard of. And that's why you can be on Twitter for hours. And then you're like, oh, I didn't do any writing today. This is day wasted. Um, but yeah, I think, I think even if you don't know where to start, just start with anyone and see who they, they retweet and who they follow. Eric, anything to add to that? No, that's, that's exactly what it is. You know, look up those authors that you admire if you're trying to get in the book space. Um, look up, you know, like smaller literary journals and the like, because they're always going to be posting about essays and interesting pieces and tagging the authors there. Um, yeah, you'll discover a lot of people. So I have to put you both on the spot now because this is coming up a lot in Q&A as well. <laughs> 
Where, uh -oh. wh what are some good writing accounts that everybody should be following? You can even say yourself, I don't care. Um, let, let's start with Eric. Let's start with you on this one. Good writing accounts. Uh, you know, uh, like my, my, my initial impulse is just to name a bunch of authors there, but like th these, these are, these are accounts of things that aren't Twitter accounts. So like, like I really recommend looking up uh, print run, which is, which is a podcast run by two literary agents. Uh, the Twitter feed shares great advice, but the podcast is just like, just a treasure trove of amazing industry insights and advice. And I, I just really, really love it. Um, the, the, the podcast Deadline City by, by Danielle Clayton and Zoraida Cordova run it. Um, all they do is dish out advice and it's just absolutely fantastic. They interview different authors, um, which will give you more people to get to know. Um, so you can look up the podcast on Twitter and then go follow it on your, your smartphone of choice. Um, and then I really recommend looking up uh, Amy Spaulding, who's, who's a, a wonderful YA contemporary author. She has a newsletter uh, and has also been doing these really wonderful Instagram stories where she interviews different people in the industry. Um, she calls it, what is she calling it? She's calling it like art and craft, I think, or, or something like that. Something cute and funny. Um, she just has lots of insight and it's just, just wonderful. Melinda, how about you? Follow Amy Spaulding, because I was going to also recommend Amy. Um, I also, if you want like real talk about publishing, you should, you should follow Tess Sharp. <laughs> it's Tess, like Tess, and then S-H-A-R-P-E. She's great. And uh, she tweets a lot of really interesting things because Tess writes in a lot of different genres and categories. And um, I think she's, she's very real. So I, I always enjoy reading her tweets. Um, and let me recommend some agents. Uh, Patrice Caldwell is wonderful on Twitter. Also extremely real, just tells it like it is. <laughs> um, and Patrice Caldwell, but I think her Twitter handle is whimsically yours, but you mm -hmm. should search for uh, Patrice. And then also um, Kate McKean, is an agent who is also a writer and has a wonderful newsletter called agents and books i think and there's a lot of really good publishing uh information in her newsletters and also i and her twitter too all right so i want to get into some q a now because you've got a, a bunch of questions piling up so let's start with this one you both kind of touched on it already but i want you to sort of hone the answer here so Melinda, let's start with you. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of writers saying Twitter is the social media they are most active on. What makes Twitter a better platform for writers than other social medias? You don't have to be on video. This is why I love it. Like the reason I fear that I don't post enough on Instagram is because I'm just not that visual of a person. Like I'm a writer. So that's why I enjoy Twitter because it's just written. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It's just writing. Uh, it's where the the most amount of people seem to be, at least in, in the space that I'm in. Um, and it's the one I know how to use the best, you know? Like, I don't know how to use some of the other ones. I've, like, plateaued when it comes to social media. <laughs> Thank you both. So next question, uh, Eric, we'll start with you on this one. Just a general question of how do you manage your schedule and factor in social media, especially with how tapped in you have to be to, to post, to be engaged? How do you manage your schedule with that? 
Yeah. I mean, some of it's scheduling stuff, you know, like I was saying with like my clients getting coverage places, like I use TweetDeck, I schedule out blog posts and, and then I just, I just leave it and I don't think about it, you know, and that, that, that's the easiest way for me. Um, when it comes to a platform like Instagram, I'm never really thinking about it. It's just, oh, I took a really pretty picture. Now I'm going to share it and see if people like it, you know, like it's not, I don't have any strategy there. There are a lot of authors who have an amazing strategy for Instagram and like Adam Silvera does awesome stuff on Instagram and, and sort of Sabata here, but I, I have no idea how to do it. <laughs> Melinda, what about you? How, how do you manage your schedule with including social media? I'm trying to gear back up to toward revision. I have not been allowing myself to go on Twitter until afternoon. So I have morning for writing. And then in the afternoon, I deal with all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I worry that this means I'll miss things, but I really won't because you know what? No one's on Twitter until the afternoon. I mean, people are there, but the, the West Coast doesn't wake up till noon. So you're really just becoming more efficient with your Twitter time. Just put it in the afternoon where more people are on there. <laughs> So next question, Melinda, we'll start with you. Interesting question, because I, I sometimes forget that hashtags are even a thing, but Melinda, are there any good writing hashtags that people should be aware of? A more important thing on Instagram than Twitter. Um, I, I don't know why that has become the way it is, uh, but on Instagram, there's always the am writing hashtag, which I look at sometimes. There's obviously Bookstagram, which is gigantic. And you can look through so many amazing photos of books and you can find book reviews and people who love books through that. Um, I don't know about Twitter. There's, there's also am reading, but that's also Instagram. I don't know. What do you yeah, think, Eric? That there is writing community, that there are those different um, hashtags there, but I, I wish I could say I knew whether or not they were helpful or, or, or what's going on in those. Um, one hashtag I think is really interesting is MSWL. It's the manuscript wishlist hashtag. Um, it's not necessarily for authors, like it's, it's agents and, and editors tweeting out uh, things that they're looking for. And sometimes it's them talking back and forth. But you know, every once in a while, you might see an agent tweet out, hey, I'm really looking for romantic comedies or hey, I'm really trying to find a memoir about X and Y. And maybe you're the person that suddenly has that at that given time. Uh, that, Go ahead, go go send them a traditional query via email. Uh, I just caution looking at manuscript wish list and thinking, oh, this agent is looking for a specific kind of book. I'm gonna write it now. You're probably too late. Then it's gonna take you a year and a half to two years to write that book. So don't don't write to what they're saying they want. Um, but pitch them if you already have that thing. Next question. This one, it's specifically about Instagram, but I think we can open it up to Twitter, Facebook, any of them as well. Do you recommend having a separate page for your writing or just be authentic and keep it as your normal page, as your normal self? So should you have separate accounts for your writing account and for your personal account? And this can go across any platform. Uh, Eric, let's start with you. I don't. You know, my, my Instagram is just like me talking about my family and, and, and my life. Um, and I think that's fine. Like, you know, I, like, I don't think you need to have this like professional, I'm an author Instagram page. Um, Cause I think what makes you interesting on platforms like that is what your life is like, right? That's like why people are following you on those things. They want to get that glimpse into what it is you're doing. Um, it's just up to you 
how much of that you really want to share. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would have, I don't know if I would have two. I don't think any of my authors have two. Melinda, what about you? But that's because Facebook is so old. Like I was on Facebook before I was an author. And so I had like a personal Facebook account. And then I became a published author and I was like, I don't really want these people to see my personal Facebook account. So then I had a Facebook page and I don't add people to my personal Facebook account. But you know what that has led me to do is basically I don't use Facebook anymore because it's such a pain. So I, I don't, plus Facebook is terrible. Um, on Instagram, I just have one and I, and I post pictures of my dog <laughs> and my, as well as pic, like, like the food I cook. It's, it's, it's kind of a mashup on Instagram. I think that's more normal on Instagram um, to have kind of a mashup. But I know people who have switched to a business account on Instagram, which I often wonder if I should do it because then you can schedule posts. But I still have not bitten the bullet to do that. So it's still, it's just me. <laughs> it's really up how comfortable I think an individual is in sharing their, their personal life. And you can always obviously make decisions about what you want to share and what you don't want to share, whether the account is a business one or not. So. Next question, Eric, this one's specifically for you. I guess Melinda, you could answer too, but I think Eric, you might you might know this one, but how, how do you find the pitch parties, the pitch events to participate in them? How do you know when they're happening? Where do you go to look for them? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I guess you could follow them on Twitter. You know, like you could follow DV Pit. It has a, a social media account that has a newsletter um, that'll keep you updated on when it's when they're happening. Um, they were happening twice a year, but now I think they're only happening once a year. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I saw Beth say something about that. Uh, PitMed happens twice a year. So you can just go to the Pitch Wars website, just Google it, it'll pop up. I, I don't think there's any other Pitch Wars thing that's gonna distract you uh, when it comes to Google searching that. Um, and those are really the big ones that I can think of. There, there are a couple of others that float around that are very specific. There's like a science fiction pitch event that's run by Daniel, um, I don't remember his last name, but it's like SFF, SFF Pit. Uh, if you Google that, it'll pop up and you could subscribe to the newsletter. Um, just, just be careful. You know, like there, there are so many different pitch events that are splintering off and happening. Just make sure they're actually being run by like people in the industry or, or authors or agents or editors that like you recognize because you just don't want to waste your time. Next question, Melinda, I'll start with you on this one. Cause you, you alluded to it briefly. Uh, question is, I hope you haven't had to, but how do you handle trolls? On how bad they are. Like I, I do, I do block some people. Uh, mostly I mute them. I mean, usually I don't respond. So that's how I handle it. And I take a few deep breaths <laughs> and you know, I go offline for a bit if I, if I need to, because the only way to end a troll is literally to ignore them. Like they don't respond well to any sort of response. And I don't feel that it's worth my energy or mental health to, I don't know, talk back to them. Mm -hmm. Seems like a waste. <laughs> gotcha. Eric, what about you? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I wrote a whole book about it. <laughs> so like, <laughs> just, just block and move on. It's not, it's not worth your time. Next question, Eric, we'll start with you. Uh, 
the question is that you brought this up in the beginning when it comes to forming connections on social media for people who are coming into this publishing Twitter and hoping to form genuine connections. How often do you recognize names in your comments and think, uh, this needy person again, or in a different way, oh, this person, they're familiar, but not in a bad way. So how often do you recognize people in your comments? Huh. I mean, I feel like I do. I feel like I recognize people all the time, you know, people that like tweet with me frequently or have questions frequently. Um, it never really bothers me. Like, I, I don't know, like it's publishing is a weird industry. It's, it's not super accessible. It, it can be challenging to get those answers. So if people have questions, it's, it's not hurting me when, when they, they have a little, when they're, they're nudging me on, on social media. Um, yeah. In terms of like trying to strike a balance between like being annoying and being like, welcomed there just uh i don't know th think about how often you text your friends you know like if you have a, a question about going someplace are you blowing up their phone all day or do you just message them once or twice you know it's just uh yeah just don't don't get too wild <laughs> and melinda you've mentioned that you're primarily on social media for your friends your group so how often do you make new connections from people that have connected with you on twitter um, every once in a while. Uh, I mean, I've definitely been helped out by people on Twitter. Like my, in the most recent book I wrote, I, when I was doing the research for it, I actually contacted someone that I had interacted with on Twitter for, to ask them for help and they helped me. <laughs> it was great. So, I mean, yeah, every once in a while. Sure. Mm -hmm. So next question, Melinda, I'll start with you. Uh, what advice do you have for older authors who remember the days without internet and social media? Uh, how do you get started on social media if this just is not a familiar world to you? Just take a deep breath at first and realize that there is a steep learning curve. Like you don't have to know it all at once. And you also don't have to jump in head first and start interacting. You know what I mean? Like it's totally fine to get your feet wet and kind of, see what is happening for a while until you're more comfortable with it. I, I don't think you need to rush in and it's totally fine to be, to lurk for months <laughs> It's fine before you say anything. It's, it's totally fine. And there are a lot of resources on the internet to familiarize yourself with social media before you use it. Like I'm sure there's like 10,000 blog posts and YouTube videos on how to use Twitter. Like seriously watch some of them. It's not, it, it's nobody knows what it is until they start using it. So there's no need to feel like you're behind the curve. You know, it's just, it's totally new. Like I have no idea how to use TikTok. I have resisted it so far because I know there will be a very steep learning curve for me. And I don't know if I can handle that right now. So I'm, I'm just holding off and it's fine to hold off. Yeah. Oh, doing those videos. I, I'm, I keep trying to think of cool things to do maybe, but I, I don't, I don't have them yet. And, uh, and yeah, just don't be afraid. Just try it out. See if it works. Um, a, a good example of this for me in my agent life is, is this author, uh, Erica Boyce Murphy, uh, didn't have Twitter when we started working together and she signed up for it and she played around on it and it didn't really work for her. She didn't really like it, you know, so she's not, she's not on there really anymore, but the books are doing fine and it's, it's okay. 
So here's a pretty general question. I'm surprised I haven't asked it actually. Uh, we'll start with Eric. How do you, any tips for just growing your social media following? I, there is so much credence put on how many followers you have. So how do you go about growing it? Yeah, I mean, it's a, the, the thing we talked about a little earlier, right? About the uh, sharing content, um, you know, dishing out advice, sharing blog posts that you think are interesting. Uh, and, you know, maybe you're, you're tagging the people that whose books you've read and, and saying how you've enjoyed them. I'm just going to stress that part. Don't, <laughs> don't do the thing where you're like, I read this book by so-and-so. It was terrible at Eric Smith Rocks. Like, don't, don't do that. No one likes that. Um, but, you know, share that positive stuff because then, then people will pay attention and they're going to follow you. Share stuff, that, share stuff that you think other people will want to share. And, and, and that's the way it starts to build up. Linda, anything to add to that? Absolutely. So, gotcha. Uh, next question. Uh, we'll start with Melinda on this one. When starting out, is there an acceptable way to post your work uh, or your work as you create an online presence? Or perhaps should you have a blog or website? Should you even share your work when starting out? And then in general, how does that work? I have a website. It should be updated. <laughs> You should have a website with your contact information on it and it should be spelled correctly and you should not share your work on it. I mean, if you're writing fiction and you want to sell a story or a novel, don't put it on the internet because that will make it unsellable. So I would not share your work on social media. I mean, when, if, you're, if your book is being published and it's coming out and you have like promotional teasers to share, that's a great time to share it, but not before it's not before it's being published. Yes, that's spot on, you know, and if you're, if you're writing nonfiction or something, you know, and you're writing essays and articles and stuff like that, um, it's fine to have that stuff on your website, but it's way better if you're pitching it to different outlets, you know? So if you're writing personal essays because you're preparing to write a memoir, pitch those essays places because every memoirist that you pick up in the bookstore, when you look at the back of the book, it says so-and-so has been published in electric literature, catapult, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's been a whole list of places. Um, you should do that too with your stuff. Don't just put it on your website. So the last question, this is kind of a clarifying question uh, for something, Melinda, that you said earlier. And what is a troll? How do you identify a troll? How, how do you know when it's a troll versus something else? Troll is not willing to engage with your social media post on its own level. It's, they're not willing to see you for a human being. I mean, they're there to argue with you for their own gain. I don't, I mean, I think that I feel it when I, when someone sends me a trollish question and it's just like someone reached out of the computer and smacked me on the face. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I think it's pretty obvious um, for me when someone is being trolly. I don't know. What do you think, Eric? Oh, no, absolutely. And, you know, they, they usually don't have a photo of themselves. It, it's, it's like a, it's the Twitter egg or it's like a, a cartoon character. Uh, and they're just, they're just being mean for no reason. Um, it's, it's pretty easy to spot. There's a, there's a difference between someone who's trolling you and, and being mean and somebody that just has a question and is trying to talk to you. There's, there's, there's a difference. So the fact that, that you're asking means you're probably not a troll. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, so last thing I want to do is I want to allow you, Melinda, you just had a book that came out. So first off, tell us about this book. My book. 
It's called <laughs> Last Night at the Telegraph Club. There, there it is. Um, this is a um, historical novel set in 1950s San Francisco about a queer Chinese American girl named Lily Hu. And uh, it's a coming of age novel. Uh, Lily is, it's the dawn of the rocket of rocket science and the atomic age. So Lily is obsessed with rockets, but she also thinks she might be a lesbian. <laughs> so she and her friend Kath start going to this lesbian club called the Telegraph Club. So this is really um, a story about Lily coming to terms with who she is and uh, falling in love for the first time. Eric, do you have anything to promote? Any, any releases coming out? Anything, what's the most recent news? Yeah, um, so, so Don't Read the Comments comes out in paperback uh, next month. Um, it's a, a YA novel about a, a teen gamer who uh, is using her streaming revenue to help support her struggling single mom. Uh, and a teen boy who wants to write video games, but mostly just plays them all day. Uh, and the two of them meet in a big, massively multiplayer uh, game against all odds, uh, become friends, and then the real world consequences of, of doxing and cyber harassment threaten to ruin their their, their growing relationship. Uh, it's, about, it's about standing up to those trolls that, that pop up with Twitter eggs uh, and learning how to be an ally and, and, and fight back. Thank you both. So I guess last thing we should do since it is the social media episode is what, where can people find you on social media? Uh, Melinda, we'll start with you. Hello, M-A-L-I-N-D-A-L-O. I'm there on Twitter, Instagram, and rarely on Facebook. <laughs> and uh, I'm Eric Smith Rocks on Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, and my website.com. And you'll find lots of uh, pitching and querying advice on the website that uh, is free and, uh, and I hope will be helpful. Thank you both so much for being here today. So uh, a couple quick notes, people. Uh, we'll be back next week for Inside Writer's Block. Uh, same time, same place. Uh, you can sign up on the website. You can find Gotham Writers on Twitter too, as well as myself. We're all on Twitter. So, so come find us on Twitter. Come hang out. Again, Melinda, Eric, thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you. And we'll Bye. see everyone next week. Bye-bye.